0: got something really interesting to say today, and I want you to look, and, and, and the title of the message is very simple, Real Hope, He Speaks Your Language. We've already talked about Jesus knowing your name. He does know your name. You, do, you don't exist without God saying that you exist. Why should we have any troubles in this world? Who do we depend on? Creator God, right? Jesus said, and the Bible says nothing was made that was made except by his hand in John chapter one. Jesus made everything. He said, well, I, I didn't, never heard that. Well, you've never read John chapter 1. Nothing was made that was made unless he made it. That's what the scripture says. He was in the beginning with God, right? He was with God and he was God. Your friends who call themselves in kingdom hall, I can't call them Jehovah witnesses anymore because Adrian said, that's what we are. We're Jehovah's witnesses, aren't we? Jehovah's our God. They can't have the title. They're just kingdom hall people. But they'll change it to, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was little g, small a, God. They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe Jesus is God. We're here today to tell you, listen, the Word teaches very clearly. There is a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And You say, well, I don't fully understand that. Well, join the crowd. Neither do I. But I believe it because the Word teaches it. And the, Jesus said, I must go away so that the Father will send the comforter. I'll ask him to send the comforter to you. And today, you and I have the ability to worship him and praise him, not just because we have a voice, because any lost people could say the same thing we say. They can say hallelujah and praise the Lord, not knowing what they're doing. Some of you might be that situation. Say, this is just fun. But those of us that are redeemed, we know because we have a personal connection, God's changed our life through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus went away back to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he sent the Comforter here to live in us and around us, the Bible says. You walk with the Holy Spirit daily. I walk with him. Paul, if we could give this picture, say, oh, I wish I could be more like Paul. Would you like to be beaten to death, stoned to death? Would you like to be embarrassed, made fun of, mocked by your own people, by your own family? Anybody in? We have no mention of his father or his mother. Either they've passed away or they have disowned him because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, everything I've accomplished to this point, I count it as nothing. And many of us are so we find our jobs prestigious. I've worked for years to get where I am today. I've earned what I have today. And can I just tell you, good job on working hard? But there's somebody who gave you the ability. His name's God. Someone gave you the air to breathe, the ability to get up in the morning, the house that you live in, the car that you drive, the clothes that you wear, the breath that you breathe. That comes from God. You do nothing on your own except God allows it today. You say, what about terrible things in life? Yeah, well, God's got to allow it because there's nothing can happen. Go back and read the book of Job. Satan, when he wants to do evil, has to get God's permission. So therefore, the devil is God's devil. You say, well, God has a devil? Well, he created him as an angel of light, Lucifer. He chose the sin, but even every time that he actually tries to do something evil, he means it for evil, but what does God do? He turns it for good. You say, well, how can that be? Explain the cross. Jesus was crucified. The Savior was crucified, and we thought the days, even his disciples, Peter said, I'm going back fishing. It's all over, but this was the plan of God. Satan thought he was doing his bidding. He thought he was doing his own things. He didn't realize he was actually working right in the very hand of Holy God. So Acts chapter 26, I want you to see Paul stands strong before King Agrippa. And last week, if you were with us, and if you're a guest with us this week, we would love to have your connect card, please. Some of you do a very good job of turning those in, leaving them in your seats, but connect with us so that we can actually connect with you. And we, we won't bother you. We'll send you an email saying, if you have questions, let us respond to it. And sometimes we fail, sometimes we do a good job, and sometimes we're somewhere in between. We want to connect with you and actually say, listen, is there something we can pray about? We put a prayer sheet out each week. Is there something we can connect with you about? We want to do that. So fill that out. It's in the back of the seat or there on your bulletin. Tear that off. Everybody go ahead and tear them off right now, even if you don't want it. Tear it off and and let us have a record of your attendance today because it's important for us to minister to you. And there's no way for us to do it. Standing up here, I can't see behind the pews. I can see your face. I see when you go to sleep. And I see when you're on your phone or tablet. Your face turns blue. There's this, like, blue hue that comes over your face. I see who's playing video games. uh, But I can't see those papers. So I want to encourage you to take notes and get into what God's Word says to you today. This is not just about the Apostle Paul. Scripture was written for our edification. Let's read together Acts 26, beginning in verse 1. Sorry, I got to, for those who were not here last week, go back to Acts 25, verse 22. Then, this is Agrippa, King Agrippa said to Festus, I would also like to hear this man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So the next day, when Agrippa, King Agrippa and Bernice, had come with great pomp, and we'd say pomp and circumstance, and had entered the auditorium, this is not a courtroom, now they've made a show out of this thing, Into the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city at Festus' command, Paul was brought in. So you see the audience there is before Paul. He's no longer in a court of appeals or anywhere like that. He's in an auditorium like this, and all the VIPs of the city have come in because the king's in town, the little king. The governor's in town, right? The governor has called an order of all the commanders, so the army leaders are there. We've got the political, we have the military, we have everyone there. The dignitaries are in hearing because King Agrippa's there. King Agrippa's got all his best, if you will, costumes on, his his trappings of a king. He and his wife, who is also a family member, uh, they're in sin, and we know Festus last week. The governor is in sin; he has uh, someone else's wife, is not his wife. And Paul preached about righteousness. Festus gets mad and dismisses Paul, but he keeps calling him back for two years. He visits our Felix visits, and Festus comes in, and he wants to actually don't want to hear what Paul has to say. None of these men want to hear because they don't want to change their sinful nature. Did y'all know that's the same true for us today? Don't matter what your title, don't matter what your job is, don't matter your age. Uh, we want to be with each other. Hey, I like, let's go eat ch- food at church. It's fun to eat together. Hey, uh, let's go out, hang out. Let's go bowling. Let's do some stuff together. But we get down to uh, the very nitty gritty, if you will, of the scriptures and says, listen, you're living in a sinful lifestyle. You must be born again and turn away from your sin. That offends us. We, don't, we read The Break Company then. I can't believe that pastor said that. I can't believe they said songs about that. Every time if a pastor's true, he's going to read it from the word of God. And when God puts his finger on your sin, listen, you better know that he already knows your name and he already knows your sin. And he wants you to do business with him and take care of your sin. Some of you, your sin is you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're afraid to do so because you think everybody around you thinks you're a Christian, therefore you'll be embarrassed. Would you rather be embarrassed and go to heaven or not be embarrassed and go to hell? (laughs) If you choose hell, you're a fool. Put yourself out there because who are you putting yourself out there before, me and and these people? No, you're putting yourself out there before the holy God. God, I trust what you say in your word. I trust that you say sinners must be born again. I trust what you told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. I trust it, and I trust you. This is where Paul is speaking before the auditorium. They think they're going to embarrass Paul. Paul has all these degrees. Paul's learned. He even tells a little bit of his backstory. Then he tells about his conversion And then he tells about Jesus. And this is what you should do as well. Our story, many of you, when you share your testimony, if you were on alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be, we like to stay like we love that life more than we love today. We spend hours back there telling about that part of our life. And then we talk about our salvation experience at a revival service. And then we talk about Jesus doing some things for about 10 minutes and we're done. Don't dwell on the past because the past is gone. It's water under the bridge. Celebrate when Jesus changed your life and celebrate what he's doing today. Today is what matters, right? If you're converted, if you're redeemed, today is what matters. And Paul standing before this king, before this governor, before all these VIPs, all the important people in town, these are the who's who standing before them. And King Agrippa does this, and we gave this away just a little bit. King Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. Paul didn't give a lot of niceties. He went right to the message. I know that you know the things of the Jews, the customs of the Jews. Agrippa did. If you go back and study a little bit about Agrippa, he was very, very much into the Jewish customs. He speaks about his former life. Listen, Paul's going to tell about growing up. My manner of life from my youth, when I was a teenager, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know this. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Did any of y'all in here, all right, I want everybody who is 20 years or younger to stand up, 20 or younger, stand. I know we dismiss most of the kids out, 20 or younger to stand up. Now, we have guests with us. Now, some of you have been in the church a long time, and some of you are their mothers and fathers and grandmothers. If you wiped these children's behind, would you stand up? Just stand up. Uh-huh, look around. You said, that ain't my mama. Yeah, you went to Sunday school, all right? Look around. All right, if you taught them in youth group or in children's ministry at all, stand up. Or teach them now, I should say. All right, if you've ever worked as a chaperone in the youth group or children's ministry or anything to do with children, driving a bus, whatever, I want you to stand. So look what was happening. And I can keep on with questions and questions and questions. And teenagers, listen, young people, you can say, these people knew me. Mr. Steve knew me whenever I was a teenager. Mr. Mr. Matt was actually, Matt, I went to the youth camp when I first got here. You may be it. I went to youth camp when Matt was here. That's why I always call him. He says, why do you call Matt by both his names? Because the youth group did when I got here. I knew Matt before then, but Matt Jones has always been his name. I hope they should Is that your real name, Matt? I'm just kidding. He's always been Matt Jones. Well, Paul's saying, y'all knew me. These people, these people if they would be, if be honest, they knew me when I was a teenager. They knew my mom and daddy. Uh, I was raised in their, if you will, their Sunday school. And then I, I went through my, got my, furthered my education and I became, I lived as a strict, the strictest sect of our religion. I was a Pharisee. And now I stand in him, verse six, and judge for the hope. Here's what his judgment's for. Here's what he's accused of. I stand for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should we be thought incredible by you that God raises people from the dead? Remember, the Pharisees believed God raised people from the dead. The Sadducees did not believe. Indeed, verse 9, I myself thought I I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I was aggressive against the name of Jesus is what Paul is saying. I hated the church of God. I hated God. Uh, well, I hated Jesus, but he did it in the name of God. Verse 12, while, this occupied, while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus, With the authority and the commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads or the pricks. It would be a pointy steel rod or a rock of some type where the Oxen would kick and it would cause them pain. Why are you kicking against me? Why are you causing yourself pain? Verse 15, so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's me and you. If you're a Christian today, listen, I'm part of the inheritance. I have the hope of faith. Listen, I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. How about you? All right, listen, let's keep going. Now he's going to talk about that's me before Christ. That's me meeting Christ. And let me tell you a little bit after Christ. Here in 19, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent. This is for you and me today too. Repent means turn away from your sins. If you're going this way, you're sinning with the world. He says, turn and repent. Turn your back on those sins as no matter how hard it is, turn your back to it. This is what Paul preaches. What we preach today, you must repent of your sins and turn from your sins and your wicked ways and follow Christ. Watch what it says. They should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Show that you're a Christian. Live the life of a righteous life. Verse 21, for these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, To this day I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now as he thus made his defense, Festus, the governor, said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Festus has interrupted the testimony. Now, what happens? What happens when somebody's rude and they interrupt you when you're sharing? Because Paul asks of the king, give me patiently, hear me patiently. Now, Festus is interrupted because he's feeling convictions, right? He don't want to repent of his sins because if he repents of his sins, he has to admit as governor that he made mistakes. Is that you? Dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, friend, Sunday school teacher, if you repent of your sins openly, that means you have to turn and say, listen, I was not 100% right with God. They were ashamed of their sins. Festus was ashamed of his sins, so he, he interrupts Paul's message. We interrupt this message to bring you, right, a reason. Watch what happens. Paul used the interruption, and he knew his time was short, to launch into the gospel. Remember, he told of his story had passed. Everybody's cool with that because it didn't upset anybody. He told of his encounter with Jesus Christ, and somebody says, hey, your experience, my experience is all experience, let's hear your story. But when he turns his finger and he lowers, because he's motioning with his hand, because I believe Paul was a preacher, right? He was, a Baptist preacher, I think. And he's motioning with his hand, and I think his fingers went to this way, like this. Because watch what he does, he transitions. Verse 25, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things for I am not, I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since this thing was not done in a corner meaning not done privately King Agrippa do you believe the prophets how about y'all today do you believe the prophets what the prophets said some people say I believe all that the prophets said and I'd say what did the prophet say oh I don't know You don't believe what the prophets say if you don't read the words what the prophets said. Amen? Amen. And most of it's a prophecy for Jerusalem, for the people of Israel. All of them don't apply to us today. But some of them do. There's some futuristic uh, prophecies that are coming. And if I said in church, in a Baptist church, do y'all believe the prophecies of God? We would say, yes. And I'd say, what are they? I don't know. We can't believe something we have never read or experienced. Is that true? I mean, if you go make it say you believe it and you've never read it, you don't believe it. It's a lie. That's what we should check ourselves for daily Bible reading. We must. You say, well, I don't have time to read my Bible. I would encourage you to take time. And if your job calls you where you can't read the Bible, I would pray that God would let you lose your job. Wouldn't you rather lose your job and read the Bible than you had and not have any time? You say, that's, that's fanatic. Oh yeah, I'm a crazy fanatic for Jesus. He said, well, you're a preacher, you get paid to read the Bible. That's true, but I have a busy week but I'll, I'll sit down and go do something else as long as I can read the Bible, right, if I can't read my Bible. If I'm busy doing church work, and there's a lot of preachers doing church work today, they're chasing after the bride of Christ instead of the bride of their life. Y'all know what I mean? They're in love with the church more than they're in love with their wife. And That's a sin as well. We must come to the very place as Christians that we say, listen, God first. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says, and all the things that you have need of will, will be added to you. Everybody needs rain did it rain on the wicked and the righteous yesterday? Yeah, whose, whose house did, did everybody get rain? Raise your hand. Some of you are wicked, some of you are righteous, right? Some watch. It rained on your house. It rained yesterday. And we praise God for the rain. He says it even in the Word. In Matthew, he lets it rain. In Matthew chapter 5, I let it sunshine and rain on the righteous and the wicked. Watch what Paul says. He's going to speak freely. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe because he had read the prophets. Paul knew that he he was a man who studied the culture. Verse 28, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. What a terrible, terrible word. And Paul said, I would that God, not only you, but also of these VIPs who hear me today, might become almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains, when he had said this, these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with him. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appeal, appealed to Caesar. They said, There's nothing. These guys, These Jews are making up this stuff. We understand this. Agrippa knew the culture. He said, There's nothing. Can you imagine today if, if we get hauled into court and someone says, yeah, he got arrested and the police captain says, the governor or the judge says, what did he get arrested for? I don't, I don't know. They just said he did something wrong. And then the court date shows up. We go to court before a judge and what are you accused of? There's no prosecuting attorney. There's no witnesses. There's people making up some stuff, say, hey, we heard some stuff, but there's no way there to actually pass judgment because there's no way there to prosecute. There's no way there to witness against the person. This is where Paul is. Paul's standing in an auditorium being accused of all these false allegations, and there's nobody there to prosecute him. The people, original people who accused him aren't there. It's all second information. There is no reason for even a court hearing. There's nothing. And that's what Festus said. I don't have anything to send him to Caesar on. Listen, King Agrippa, if you will listen to what he says and tell me what charges I need to write up, because I need to write something up to send him up. I can't just send him to Caesar with no no. I mean, he's on vacation. I'm just going to send him to Rome for vacation on taxpayer dollars. I want you to look at your notes if you would transition just a minute with me. Paul beautifully described his life before putting his faith in Jesus Christ. In his story, he shares how he met Jesus and how Jesus changed his life forever. He openly and honestly shared his life experience to anyone who would listen. He had a story to tell. This was his story. Let me ask you today as you take those notes, Are you open and honest with other people? These are lost people. He's sending a crowd of people who's like gives him the thumbs down. many in here wanting to be guilty. Many wanting for entertainment. But have you openly and honestly talked about your faith? Is your faith real? Is your faith a biblical faith, not just something that you said? Well, I'm part of that too. I'm a Christian too. I've been in church my whole life. So has dust? So they have bugs and spiders, they're not Christians. Isn't that true? Coming to church does not save you. Riding the church bus does not save you. Coming to every revival service does not save you. Going to Christian concerts does not save you. What saves you is you getting before the Lord one-on-one with God. He's already preached. What you must do, you must be born again. You must repent of your sins. He's already paid the price on Calvary, on the cross. He's already died. He's already been buried, and he's already been rose again the third day. Just as he said, it's you. It's your responsibility to put your faith and your trust in him. What are you waiting for? He says you must be born again. If the one who created you says you must be born again and receive him as your personal Lord and Savior... Do you think you ought to do it? Do you think you must do it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a quote from Jesus Christ himself. That is a quote from God who says, "I listen, I've done everything for you. What happens when parents give children everything they want when they cry for it? What is it? When they just, they just we call it being spoiled. What happens to those children? They turn into these kind of characters. What do we call them? brats, spoiled brats. They have everything that they possibly want. They cry to dad, mom, my friend has this, and my friend has this, and I don't have this, and you are good parents, and you always, and people just showing out money, trying to make their children happy. Some of y'all do it here in church. I can tell by the way your children act. They got a, a $1,000 phone walking around with it. How'd you pay for that? Oh, my was a gift my mom did. Some of them are driving new trucks and nice cars, and some are driving nicer than parents. Matter of fact, I was told in town, all these kids with the the southern squat trucks, those stupid-looking trucks with the back ends squatted down loud, as mess, looking dumb as a rock, ruining their transmission and motors, by the way, just for the record, all the transmission fluid's going to the back. I've heard of parents in town taking mortgages, second mortgages on their homes, just so their children can have a truck like all the other boys in town. Something's wrong with you, if that's you. And if you're watching by Facebook and YouTube, something's wrong with you. Y'all listen, it's okay to give your children things. It's okay to actually come up to the place and, and have really nice things. But it's not okay when you come to the place and put everything that's things before the Lord Jesus Christ. If we ask your children, hey, what is your parents, what do your dad, what does your dad love the most? And if it's not Jesus, something's wrong. If it's mama, that's wrong. Wendy knows I love Jesus more than I love her. But if I love Jesus, I put her right next right and I love my children and there's different things that we can say what do we love there's nice things in life that I'd like to have I'll just wait and if I die without them guess what still gonna die (laughs) whether I had them or not Adrian Rogers said sometimes we need to take our water and change the channel right turn away from the things you want in this world and turn to the things of God I want to actually be done when I get to heaven well done thy good and faithful servant don't you want to hear that when you get to heaven don't you want to go to heaven? <laughs> Paul, is here preaching, listen, he's, he's, on, he's open and he's honest. Paul had everything as far as a human was concerned to lose. Everything. Great riches, nice things, the nice foods, the nice company, what would be deemed nice. Saul and Paul, and I put Saul slash Paul because he was Saul when all this happened, had malice for Jesus. And malice wasn't just anger. He, was, he hated Jesus. He hated his disciples. He wanted to kill all of them. You've got to give him credit. He was following his rules, his sect of the rules that, hey, this man's not following the Old Testament. He's saying he's God. I'm going to wipe him out. This reminds me today when I think about Paul very much about the Muslim extremists. When they come and they cut people's heads off because they won't convert. There's Islamists that go in, and you've read about it, it just happened last week. There was another Christian that was killed last week. He was shot to death on video just to make a point. But can I tell you, if I was a Muslim, I would be an extremist as well? Wouldn't you? He said, Well, I mean, I would never even put myself in that situation. How about flipping? If you're a Christian, would you be an extremist? Would you love people even though they hate you? Would you love people even though they make fun of you? Our job is not to kill people, our job is to love people. Even when there are enemies, love them. Family, love them. Somebody does you wrong, love them. We don't have a choice. Our job is to love them with extreme love like Jesus did. But Paul, Saul had extreme malice for Jesus and his followers. Paul's anger against the church was so great, he traveled as a religious zealot from town to town, arrested and killed followers of the way. Who paid his salary? The religious people paid his salary. Go be a missionary, Paul, and go kill everybody. Saul. Jesus encountered Saul, Paul, on the road to Damascus. It's not two people. He just changed his name from Saul to Paul. The glory of the Lord shone all around him, knocking him to the ground. The power of God was experienced by Saul that day. Do y'all remember the shepherds? I, I don't understand why people can't get this picture. Do y'all remember the shepherds laying in their fields at night, and the glory of the Lord shone all around? And they were so uh, afraid. But when we read this passage, we don't see that same picture. Where does the angels get their glory from? God Almighty. Now imagine if Jesus himself appears from heaven, what's, going to, what's it going to look like? Paul said it was brighter than the sun. Have you ever looked into the sun? Get all those black spots in your eyes? Paul says it was brighter than the sun, so very much like the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone all around, and Paul had to be afraid. Paul recognized something, though, which was pretty awesome. I think this is why I argued with the passage a couple of chapters ago when it says, most scholars say, well, Paul preached in Aramaic. And I said he preached in Hebrew because the Bible says he preached, King, New King James said he preached in Hebrew. And everyone says, well, the Bible says Hebrew, but it really probably means Aramaic, which Aramaic was the common language. But the common of the, of the temple, the common of the language of the, of the religious people was Hebrew. The Bible says Hebrew, so guess what the pastor believes? It's Hebrew. And you said, do you have a proof text? No, it just says Hebrew. And in here, watch what Jesus speaks to Paul. I believe this was Paul's favorite mother language. Did you catch it when we read it? Jesus appeared to Saul and Paul. Paul had a conversion with him, a conversation with him. Jesus spoke to Paul. Paul says this go back for your text and look what he says in verse 14. And when he had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me and saying in the Hebrew language. What language did Jesus speak to Paul? Hebrew, Hebrew in his own mother tongue, the one that, he would, that would bring much pleasure to him, the, the religious tongue, if you will, the one I believe that he used to those religious rulers it was a very hard language of the time but it was a, it was the language if you will of God well what did God speaks to you listen if God spoke to you in Hebrew what would happen to you today anybody study Hebrew it would mess you up right you'd be like what's that but if God speaks today listen he's not speaking audibly today how does he speak to me and you does anyone have an English Bible? No one has an English, I'm sorry. We'll get Bibles right out of church. Give me your name, we'll buy you a Bible. You, show me if you have an English Bible, Spanish Bible. Whatever your language is, do you have that Bible in your language? God still speaks in our language today. Paul understood the Hebrew. It was actually an affectionate love language that Paul, Paul God, Jesus Christ himself spoke to Paul. Jesus speaks to me today in the English. Very clearly, I understand that Jesus spoke to Paul in Hebrew. If Jesus spoke to me in Hebrew, I wouldn't understand what he said. Jesus always speaks with clarity. Put that down in your heart and in your notes. Jesus always speaks with clarity. You never misunderstand Jesus. So you say, what about all the crazy zealots? Well, they took one passage of scripture and went to fly by their pants, sit in their pants, and they wanted to do it their their way. Sinful man can take any name and any religion and make it a false religion, right? and then go to the place and actually turn it for themselves go back to your notes and look at this, this was awesome Jesus delivered to him, and I believe, I put in your notes and you say, well I don't see that in the scripture, Paul spoke back to Jesus in Hebrew I'm waiting for one of y'all to come up after church and tell me, you don't say that how would you respond, if somebody speaks in English to you how would you respond All right. well I know we have some Spanish speaking people in the the room today if I say buenos dias, you would say what thank you angel (laughs) when is this, what am I saying what is it, what angel interpret that, what is that When is this? Good morning. morning. So if I turn my grin and say to the rest of you, good good morning. He would say good morning same way. The language that actually was spoken to, this is how Jesus spoke to Paul. Paul responds, this next is a long sentence. Jesus delivered to him his plan and his purpose for his life. Do you think Paul is the only person that gets a plan and purpose for their life? Do you have a plan and a purpose for your life? Do you know what it is? How long must you live before you start investigating? Why are you here? God put you on the planet for a reason. And the reason is not to fulfill all your satisfying hey, I want me, I want all this stuff for me, 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 me. It's so that you might bring him glory. He wants you to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, as your Lord and Savior. But then he wants you to fulfill your life by bringing him glory. Can you bring him glory in your workplace? I hope the answer is yes. If you work somewhere where it doesn't honor God, listen, quit your job. You say, Pastor, quit your job. If you work somewhere, if you do something, you produce a product of something you know absolutely is contrary to the word of God that's causing harm to other people. You say, what about guns? People get into all this crazy conversation, but I want you to understand something. God will meet your needs. He'll supply all you need according to his riches and glory is what he says, because he's God. Watch what Paul does. He has a purpose for Paul's life. He was to become a follower of Jesus, a minister of the gospel, a witness to the things of God, and he was to preach the of word of God and trust God for protection. Jesus said the people who heard Saul, or then Paul, now preach would have their eyes opened from the power of Satan to the power of God. Through Saul, Paul's preaching of Jesus, people would receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among who were all those who were sanctified by faith in Jesus. Paul was preaching about a resurrected Jesus. Paul had a life-changing experience with a living Jesus, not a dead Jesus. He wasn't just telling, didn't have the t-shirt from day on Calvary, picture of Golgotha. How many people do it today? Listen, we walk around with big chains hanging around our necks. We have big t-shirts, we have tattoos. We try to put, this is a remembrance of Jesus and live like the devil. Paul had an encounter with the living Savior. And Paul walked and talked like Jesus was walking and talking with him because he remembered, listen to the word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He knew Jesus was right there. Are we living that way today? Do we live that way? Jesus was real to Paul. Something Richard said about uh, three or four times, I heard him this morning. I wrote it down, Richard, on my notes. Paul always preached a resurrected Jesus. He, he preached him living, dying for your sins, but he preached the resurrected. Paul always got around to, he's alive today and forevermore. Would you like to give your heart and life to Jesus? Paul always got to the gospel message. Paul shared with King Agrippa and confessed he was guilty of doing the things Jesus commanded him to do. He obeyed the resurrected Savior of the world. Paul did exactly what Jesus told him he had to do. Was Paul a sinful man? Yes. Did Paul obviously make mistakes and sin in his life? He enters. Yes, he said the things I want to do I don't do, and the things I don't want to do I do. Oh, what wretched man I am! Paul was acknowledging his sin. Let's finish it up. Governor Festus interrupted Paul to insult him. Paul used the opportunity to appeal to King Agrippa and all the VIPs in attendance that day to say, hey, "Listen, would you surrender your lives to Jesus Christ? Not give your life. We always talk about give your life away. Or, or I, I commit my life to Jesus. It's not a commitment." Commitment's good. Listen, me and you make a deal. We commit to something. If as long as I pay for it, you'll take it, or I'll take it. A surrender is white flags up. I am your slave forever. I am your captive. I cannot turn away. I have no recourse. I surrender all to Jesus. That's the difference between a commitment and a surrender. You commit yourself to a church body like this, as long as we preach the word, as long as you agree, listen, that's a commitment. But you can never back out of your surrender to Jesus Christ. Once you're his, you're his forever. That should be a good news, isn't it? Let me say that again. Once you're his, you're his forever. That should be a sweet, sweet thought through your mind. Even on those days you're having trouble and you can't process things, it should bring peace to your heart. Here's the saddest words. And I'll finish with this. King Agrippa heard and understood, which is important. Have you all understood what I said today? We must repent of our sins. We must turn away from our sins, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you understood that Jesus Christ died for your sins, for your sins alone? and really everyone else's. Do you understand that today? This is a sad commentary here. King Agrippa in the audience, in the auditorium, King Agrippa heard and understood the words of Paul in his own language. Paul probably spoke to him in Aramaic, or he could have spoke in Hebrew, probably Aramaic because the whole crowd would have heard. They would have understood. But King Agrippa responded with some of the saddest words in history that many people had said in the Baptist church, the Pentecostal church, the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church, come to this place and said the very same things. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. We even sing songs, almost persuaded. What a sad, sad commentary for anyone that walks through those doors to say I almost received Jesus today. You never know when you're going to breathe your next breath. Almost persuaded is a no. A no is a no. No. We don't have record of anything that King of Europe ever come to know Jesus. He pops on the scene and he pops back off. According to his lifestyle, he never changed. But he told Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. What a sad, sad commentary. Here's the question. We live in challenging times today, do we not? Belief systems are varied now more than any time in history. Have you heard from Jesus through the reading of your word? Has God spoken to you through his word? You know, when you open up the word of God, it's almost like a pre-recorded, Even though it's written, it's probably sometimes best because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the only put the word of God first. I have nothing to say before I read the word of God. It's God speaking. And the question is, do you hear him? If this was a recording and says, okay, a recording from God himself. That's what you're doing when you're reading the word of God. It's actually from the voice of God. He dictated, if you will, he, he inspired men to write it and they wrote as they were inspired and moved by God to write the word this is God speaking to you. And you say, well, I'll never read my Bible. Then my friend, you never hear from God. He's not going to sound overtly like me. He's not going to speak from heaven. You don't get that privilege. You're just a little bitty human. You don't matter. Does that hurt your feelings? You don't matter. You're not that special. As a matter of fact, the old song, you say, what a worm am I? Have y'all seen any worms? We were plowing the garden. Coach Smith picked up a grub worm this week in the school, and she ate the grub worm in front of all the kids. It was low to do, if you know what I mean. That sorry little worm, good for nothing, besides processing the ground. That's who we are until we meet Jesus. And then he says, I'll pick you up out of the miry clay, right? I'll put you back on the pedestal. Listen, I'll take your ashes. Listen, I'm going to give you beauty because I'm a God who saves. And when he saves you, he says, you are no longer under the sin or curse of death. Listen, you're now child of the king. And child of the king looks really special, does he not? Does she not? And they have nice clothing. They have the nice things. Jesus loves you because the Bible tells us that he does. Jesus himself said this, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. And by the way, Jesus was talking about Jesus. Did you know that in that passage? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what, church? It's a promise of God. Everlasting life. Do you want everlasting life? And are you celebrating that you have it? Are you telling other people, do your neighbors know that you have everlasting life? You say, well, they're difficult. That's life. You think it's difficult standing before these men who are making fun of them? Now, Paul, here's the question. Don't answer it out loud. Are you almost persuaded like King Agrippa? You say, well, I know about Jesus and I know I'm a sinner. I'm almost persuaded like King Agrippa. That's a terrible place to be. Because the Bible says today's the day of salvation. When you hear the word of God, respond to the word of God. Last thing is, are you sharing this message with a watching world? People are watching to see if it's real. They've been up and down through COVID. Everybody's sick of COVID. Everybody's sick of the government, how they're responding to COVID, how they're blaming everybody's blaming everyone. Martin told me this morning some, some rockets are firing in the Middle East this morning. Did y'all know that? And so there's things happening in the world. Does that scare anybody? Well, don't let it. I belong to Jesus Christ. So they drop something ugly on us and we get cooked like a, yesterday's potatoes, right? Absent from the body. Praise with the Lord. Praise God. And listen, only the redeemed of the people of the Lord can say that. Only those who are confident in knowing that Jesus Christ has saved my soul can I be confident in walking day by day. How can Paul be so confident? He's not a king. He's never been a king. He's never been trained to be a king. He's never been a governor. But yet, in the presence of these men who we would say as society we respect or there's somebody, he stood boldly and says, "Listen, you must be born again." You must be going again. I'm trying to tell you the truth. I can identify with your customs. I know what you're saying, but I'm telling you, I met Jesus. And Jesus changed my life, and I would that he would change your life if you would just simply give your heart and life to him. And Festus says, you're mad. You're crazy because you've learned too much stuff. Paul said, I'm not mad. I'm just passionate for Jesus Christ, and I want you to be saved. I wish all of you would be saved like me. Except for these chains, I wish you were just like me. He wouldn't talk about his personality. He's talking about his salvation. And that's the way you and I should feel today if my neighbor was like me. That might be why your neighbor's not saved. <laughs> Christians today aren't living like Jesus. Because when I grew up in the church, I liked Jesus, but I didn't like the people who come to church on Sunday. Deacons meetings, business meetings, y'all been there, haven't you? I can't believe we're spending that money on this. We care about so much of the dumb stuff in life that we have to have carpet in the church. Do we have to have air conditioning? Some people say yes, some people say no. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Does it matter what color the carpet is? No, I don't care if it's pink polka dotted. It ain't going to bother me once. I didn't come here for the carpet. I didn't come here for the raggedy coffee that we serve on Sunday morning, right? I didn't come here for the donuts. I didn't come here even just to socialize with church members. I come here to worship God, and in doing so, I get to fellowship with one another. What a sweet, sweet time we got in churches and all some things. Listen, our backgrounds, if we told our jobs and what we used to be, what if we stood up this morning and told our before Christ stories? There'd be people moving away from me going, oh, my word, I can't move. But today, because we're in the church of God today, we, like, we just look around everybody looks normal. We think everybody's got it together. We don't all have it together. We just love Jesus. He loves us, and we're willing to go forward telling our story. And our story starts with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus and a little bit of Jesus in between, right? Amen. Listen, today I just want to tell you, it is all about Jesus. Paul stood boldly and he preached. He preached the gospel to people who were strangers who wanted to hurt him, no, wanted to kill him, and yet he shared the love of Jesus Christ with these people. I hope I can do the same thing if I'm ever in that situation. I hope you can do the same thing in your situation, but it's day by day with God and he'll carry you through, the Bible says. Let me pray for us. Father God, I do thank you so much that you have... Saved us that we have a testimony, we have a story. Hey, I was lost and undone without Christ. Jesus, somehow, through preaching of the word, through a revival service, through a Christian radio program, through a friend, through an invitation. Someone told us about Jesus, and Lord, those of us that are saved today responded, Yes, I want that in my life. We didn't fully understand it then, and we still don't fully understand it now. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. Nothing we can do, none of our works. It's a gift from you, God, and we thank you. I pray for anybody in this building today that's not saved, that today would be the day of salvation for them. I pray for those that are saved, if they haven't followed through a believer's baptism, that today would be a day they would commit to being baptized publicly, making a profession of faith, saying, watch me, hold me accountable to the standard of Christ living. And Father, those that are on fire for Jesus Christ, I pray you would put more wood in the oven for them, more more coal in in the pot so they might steam on for Jesus. Lord, help us fan that flame and get up and get out. Before it's too late, Lord, let us share with our neighbors and friends and family. Help us, we pray, because we know that only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.